Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, guys, you know how much I love Tommy John's underwear, undershirts, and their socks. They are the best. Yet, you know what? We're getting a lot of feedback from Hannity listeners, too. And guess what? Tommy John sent me a few testimonials from real live Sean Hannity Show listeners. So I'm going to share them with you. Dave says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have actually changed my life. Mark says, great materials, great fit, a great example of how doing something very basic very well can make a surprisingly positive impact on the quality of life and gary says my grumpy stepfather actually thanked me for the gift of tommy johns that's a first in the 40 years i've known him louise says my husband is walking bending and lifting all day this is the first pair of underwear that doesn't roll down and ride up he loves them now you've heard the reviews what are you waiting for you have nothing to lose with tommy john it's the best pair you'll ever wear it's free guarantee just go to tommyjohn.com slash hannity you get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity, 20% off. All right, happy Friday, and we made it. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. It's 800-941-SEAN. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on the program. President had a lot to say today. He got a hero's welcome at the Value Voters Summit earlier today, and the president also gave his remarks as it relates to Iran, which we're going to go over in great specificity and detail, uh, we're going to check in with a lot of members in the House to see if this economic plan is going to get done. This tax plan will get done. Kevin Brady is the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. And then we're going to check in with a couple of Freedom Caucus members. Jim Jordan and Ted Yoho are going to join us. We have not paid a lot of attention yet to what has been going on. The death toll from Northern California's wildfires are now at 31 There's about 400 people missing. It's getting a little scary out there. 
And there are some relief efforts we want to tell you about. So we'll get that in the course of the program as well and try and help our friends out in uh, California, those that would need it. Um, starting this Friday with some good news, consumer confidence now is at a 13-year high. I mean, this is literally the highest since January 2004, from 95.1 in September. Now the sentiment grew to 101.1. It's a 13-year high as the American people's perception of the economy and their own finances have been rebounding especially following these major hurricanes that have taken place. University of Michigan uh, survey shows stocks again have set new records. By the way, I don't put as much faith in, I mean, look, when you're at $5.2 billion in wealth growth created, you, you can't ignore it in the stock market. I'm not the biggest fan of the market. And I've said this to you for years, and I say it because I just always want to be honest with you, my audience, and I think there's a certain if you're in the market for for the long term, and that means part of your portfolio has stocks and bond, whatever you happen to have. And and I would go, obviously, for the blue chip stocks. I mean, if you go for the trendy stocks, if you go for remember the dot com bubble that we ended up being in, everyone was going stock crazy. A lot of people lost a lot of money. You know, but you got to figure out, okay, what are the things that people are always going to need? This is my thinking anyway. You know, Johnson and Johnson, we're always going to need toilet paper, shampoo, soap. We're going to need food and and just the bare necessities. So there's a way to work your way into the stock market. How much risk and vulnerability you want to take is based on one's personal appetite for risk. And I've always kind of been in the back of my mind, you know, if I work hard and I save my money and I don't want to gamble a lot of it away. And and a lot of people get into the market and I can't tell you how many times over the years, oh, there's this new stock. It's so it's so going to be huge and and it's going public and I can get you in in the friends and family thing or whatever. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm not interested in gambling. You know, real estate probably has a lot more stability and you can still touch it. You know, at the end of the day, your stocks, they waste away down to nothing. You can't tell. You can't. But look, it might be a bubble. I don't know. That's not how I've measured the economy. I think the better indicators that the economy is doing well is the end of all of these Obama era regulations. That's helped a lot. I think opening up energy and drilling and Anwar and allowing coal miners to do their thing and, and build clean coal. Saw a great video of coal miners before they were going to work today. I think I saw it on Fox and Friends this morning where they they literally sang the anthem and they all stood. Not one of them kneeled. And I doubt any of them are being paid millions of dollars a year. But these are good, high-paying career jobs for people. And especially as we have developed some better safety procedures, I just think mining is a very, very dangerous, difficult job, and it's hard. I mean, you're in a mine all day underground. That's that's got to be brutal. That's got to be tough, and the risks are real. There's a lot of real risks there, not the least of which is if you don't have the proper respiration, the, the threat of black lung is a real health risk for everybody, um, and not being in the sunlight is difficult. You know, I don't, I don't know anybody that has an easy job, though. Everybody that works that I know has stress and a lot of a lot of issues to deal with. I got a buddy of mine, and he has his own automotive producing company where he produ- he actually sprays the inside of engines. He he actually created this. He's an inventor where they spray the inside of engine blocks, 
and it's done at a very high, high temperature. It's like you watch it. It looks like the 4th of July and sparks flying everywhere, just like you'd see in an auto-producing thing. Anyway, and he's he's got stress to get, you know, X number of thousand blocks done a day. And then if for one reason they use the wrong wire or for one reason the tip that is manufactured, if that expensive tip gets clogged or blows, then, then he's got a problem that day. You know, I think of my friends in the... You know, they're policemen and firemen. Their jobs, everyone's job is hard. Being a teacher. How easy do you think it is being a teacher, you know, with 20 obnoxious kids in, in front of your face every day? It's not, it's not easy. Even if they're great kids, they drive you nuts. And so if you're in a, a, a business where you're producing food, okay, how much can you charge a customer for a piece of pizza? You got to sell a hell of a lot of pizza to make some money. If you even have a steakhouse, you got to sell a lot of steaks and a lot of booze to make some money. Because by the time you pay your rent, you pay, by the time you pay your chef and your dishwashers and your line cooks, and then you pay your waiters and waitresses, and then your bartenders and your light bill, which is obscene in, in Long Island, it's everything ends up. So you're just trying to work hard to, to put food on your table and produce a profit, and your hope and dream one day is that you can get a house. And then you get that house. I know more people that live in homes that are further away because it's more affordable and they get get a bigger house. Then you got to commute every day and then you got to get your car. I mean, there's a certain grind aspect to all of life. I mean, then you get your house and then you realize you got to furnish the stupid thing. Although Linda doesn't believe in furniture, apparently. Are you still sleeping? I'm just never going to hear the end of this, am I? No. what, What did I tell you when you bought your house? I said, this is a... This is a transformational moment in your life that you should be so proud of yourself. Didn't I say you that? You said get really nice air mattresses. Don't go cheap. Like I ne- no, I no. So you had I, five, I almost remember that perfectly. You had five days off around Labor Day. First five of all, days everyone off. had five days off okay. around Labor and so, Day. I didn't so just you don't off. have a stick of furniture and you go to your stupid house every weekend, which should be the pride and joy of your life. And I'm like, well, do you not well, have your the, information? I have to, I, I listen, have, if you want to have this fight, I'm going to have this fight because this it. is ridiculous. I have three sticks of furniture. Because you're now eight, eight weeks into your new house and you're sleeping on an air mattress. And it was a very nice. That purchase. is a ridiculous thing to do. It's got a velvet. So I, what top. did I say to you last night? I said, do you have money? Do you need? I'll give you some money if you need the money for the for a bed. Because sleeping in a bed is so much better than an air mattress. Listen, Liam loves it. We're sleeping on the air mattress. He oh thinks we're gosh. camping. He thinks we're camping. So he wants to go camping in the house. That's right. It's so very fun. House, you buy the house and you have no furniture in that. Now, Lauren's been in the house. Lauren, doesn't the house need furniture? It has great feng shui. All right. Listen, I know you think you're a McLaughlin now. No way. Doesn't the house need furniture? Be honest. You know, there's a design style called minimalist. <laughs> And I think that's what she's going for, the minimalist style. It's working So there's great. really, Very there beautiful. is no bed in the house. The only thing they got is an air mattress. I have that, a card table from Target. It's lovely. I will lend you the money. Go buy some freaking furniture. Show me the money. Oh, my God. You're, and you are the most stubborn human being on the face of this earth. I'm an Irish woman. It comes hand in hand. Uh, oh, all right. Now I digress. Anyway, so getting this economy going would be amazing. You know, and what has this whole election been about? And this is my fear. The Senate's not going to get their job done. I was a little disturbed. I got to call Ted Cruz. He was doing an interview yesterday and said, I'm not sure it's going to get done this year. It might be early next year. Well, that that would the whole point is what have they done this year? 
you know, a lot of senators, if the Republicans were smart and they passed this economic plan, we've already got rid of the regulations. The president bailed their ass out this week when he was able to create an opportunity that now associations can buy health care plans and, and, and the buying power of, of a group at lower prices across state lines, including catastrophic plans. This is a huge thing that, that is getting very little notice, and the only notice is getting is that, oh, he's demolishing Obamacare. He pretty much did. And this gives everybody now a shot that they didn't have before. And every single person that works in the restaurant business ought to unite and find an, and, and build an association. And with the buying power of many, they're going to get much lower rates from Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, and United, and all these other health companies and they'll get the care and the service and the plans that they want, and you can now buy it across state lines because that carve-out was already in existence for corporations that have been doing it. So you're not stuck with the state regulations with the burdensome, and you're not stuck with the ACA Obamacare regulations. There's so many solutions. Now, same with energy. The president got rid of all those burdensome regulations. Now coal miners, which is where I started before I digressed, now they have their jobs and some security and production is up. And now the president did the same thing with Anwar. And if I was a big oil company, I'd get my ass up to Anwar quickly because at least while this man's president, you're going to have access to one of the biggest oil fields we'd ever have access to and get the pipelines built quick that now that the pipelines can be built. And the president's doing what he can on his own. I took on, by the way, Ben Sass is like the biggest disappointment of anybody that I ever stupidly supported, you know, on top of all these other weak, pathetic Republicans. But he's he's become the absolute most obnoxious jerk, you know, anti-Trump guy who says behind closed doors things that I can't even repeat on this program about President Trump. You know, why don't you come out publicly, Senator Sass, and tell people what you really say and think behind closed doors in that cloakroom with all your arrogant senators that can't seem to get a thing done in there. So sick of these people. You know, why don't you start serving the American people? Why don't you put your hatred of the president aside? Is the president's plan to go from seven brackets to three good? Is a 15, 20 percent corporate rate? Is that going to stir economic growth? Will corporations invest in America? Was it a good thing he got rid of all these burdensome regulations? Is it good to allow trillions of repatriated monies from multinationals at a low rate so they'll invest in in factories and manufacturing centers, is that good for the country? Is it good for the country that we protect our border? Was Neil Gorsuch good for the country to put on the court? Is it good that he's not appeasing North Korea and Iran and radical Islamists like Obama did all these years? You know, at some point, you've got to ask yourself, what, what do they hate so much? They just hate, they don't like his style, and his style is just the antithesis of what the typical bureaucratic style in Washington is. That That is more than anything else what frustrates the swamp and the sewer in D.C. Trump is not going to stop tweeting because they don't like it. He's not going to talk, uh, stop talking about the national anthem because it, it scares them. He's not going to be direct because that's the way they want to see a president act in a particular style. He's going to be himself and you ought to be you ought to find it refreshing. And maybe some of you idiots can actually learn from him because your approval rating is like 10 percent and his is 45 and going higher as a result of him standing up for his honest beliefs. I, I've, I have come to have such contempt 
for politicians. I it, the level of and and the elitist, you know, the National Review crowd, the Brett Stevens crowd. They're just all a bunch of phonies. They're just so, so full of themselves. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity. But a great week for the president, though, when you think of it, what he did on the health care bill, the executive order, the opportunity that that's going to provide for him. Uh, he laid out his economic plan. It is everything I, as a Reagan conservative, want, uh, with few exceptions. I mean, minor exceptions. If it gets passed, people will will benefit. People will get out of poverty, off of food stamps, back in the labor force. Just a fact. He got a hero's welcome at the Value Voters Summit. We'll hit on some of this later in the program today. He gave a great speech. Now we have no appeasement of Iran, and the president got great praise by Benjamin Netanyahu. Frankly, everybody within the region is thanking him for taking the lead on it. The only thing that the only missing piece of the puzzle is now the House and the Senate and more the Senate than the House. I mean, look, you've got to admit when when the House passes 280 bills and they haven't even been touched by Mitch McConnell and company. Now, there are people that have just had it with McConnell and the number is is just growing by the minute. Uh, there's a piece on Breitbart today. The Tea, Par- Tea Party Patriots, Freedom Works, Senate Conservatives Fund are now calling on Mitch McConnell and the rest of the Senate leadership to resign. And you know what? If they can't get this done, they've got to go. This is like their last test. And I don't want to hear from Mitch McConnell. Well, you know, these are excessive expectations, you know, and I'm a little angry. People saying we haven't done anything. You know, I know the president, this is not this is a new line of work to him. Excessive and, expectations about how quickly things happen in the democratic process. Yeah, democratic process. And, you know, the the timelines that are artificial and the excessive expectations, you know, we have we have very busy schedules. We get up at nine or ten and then we get served breakfast in the Senate dining room and then we convene for maybe one meeting. And then, of course, it's lunchtime and. And then, of course, we got to plan our vacations, which are ever so numerous, and then get our hair cut in the Senate barbershops. And then we use the Senate gyms. We've got to stay healthy so we stay in power forever. And we all live to be 100. I'm like, oh, gosh. It's just, that's the swamp. Anyway, uh, one piece at a time, the president's beginning to dismantle Obamacare. Now can we get the wall? And the president with North Korea. By the way, there's war, worry and concern. North Korea may have had a earthquake that was caused by yet another nuclear test. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. When we come back, we're going to update you on the fires out in California much more. touch with the Hannity faithful. Join the message board at Hannity.com. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. We're learning so much about the left over this Harvey Weinstein issue. What we're learning more than anything is that it appears, well, everybody kind of knew. Everybody in Hollywood knew. Um, There's a Huffington Post piece out that back in August, 
NBC reporter Ronan Farrow had secured an interview with a woman who agreed to appear on camera and say that Weinstein had actually raped her. Remember, we're up to like 31 women now at least. NBC tried to put a stop to the interview with Ronan Farrow. You know, I'm, I'm, Ronan did a show, didn't he, on, uh, on the Conspiracy Channel for a while? He did, right? He's a big liberal. But he's also the son of Mia Farrow, the actress, and Woody Allen, right? Is that true? And then they put those ridiculous stories in there that I, th- I think are hurtful uh, about, well, maybe it was Frank Sinatra and all that crap, which I don't think is fair to do to any kid. I mean, I guess he's not a kid, but you know what I mean. Um, anyway, so he, so he didn't do well in cable. Maybe it wasn't his format. Anyway, so I've got to imagine, and I'm guessing here, that maybe the reason that Ronan Farrow, because he was very public in the New York tabloids, talking about how abusive his father was to, to young women. And so I guess this is, you know, he's following this because of his, a passion that he has to expose people because he grew up in, a, in the situation that he did, which, by the way, would be a pretty noble thing. You know, putting all politics aside, he seems to be standing up for women, and I like it. Anyway, NBC tried to put a stop to the interview with the woman accusing Weinstein of rape. The network insisted, well, then they went after Farrow. And they said, well, he can't use an NBC News crew for the interview, and, and neither was he able to mention his NBC News affiliation because he still works for them, even though he no longer does a cable show for them. So he ended up funding it all out of his own pocket, and he filmed the interview. And he got over 30 women now accusing Weinstein of sexual harassment, groping, and, and rape. A number of women have claimed that he's raped them. Over the span of two decades. And now the NYPD Crimes Unit. And then you got London Police. So you've got a lot of people now investigating the criminality that may be associated with all this. So this story is not going away. Um, the, the UK Sun actually had a creepy story out that, you know, he would proposition in this particular case a British TV reporter with a sex contract. The woman's 32. She declined the offers, told them to go blank off basically used raw Linda language when when confronted uh, at a lunch at, at the Cannes Festival. I met him a few times, and he goes on to say, when I went to interview him, it was something out of a, about a film. We were having lunch, and as the appetizer arrived, he launched into it. And his production assistant comes over with a confidentiality contract, and I just thought, oh, my God, your poor wife. I don't want to be a marriage wrecker. Well, good for her, by the way. And Klaus fled the lunch, disgusted and angry. So what did he have, his assistant offering contracts? But now there's a lot of other stuff coming out. I see that Mr. Mr. Cause himself, Jimmy Kimmel, when he hosted the show, well, let's play him uh, telling women to touch his private parts and guess what's in there. Listen to this bitty. This game show is called Guess What's In My Pants. Now, I've stubbed something in my pants. And you're allowed to feel around on the outside of the pants. You'll have 10 seconds to then guess what is in my pants. You ready? Set. Go. Like you should use two hands. Two hands. I thought it was like a Red Bull or something. You think it's, is that your final answer? Wow. Jesus. You're going you're to make a fine wife. Before, haven't you? All right. Right there? Yeah? Just, just a few more seconds. 
thing I wore the rubber underpants. And your guess is? Vibrator. A vibrator? No, it is actually a zucchini with a rubber band on it. But you can use it as a vibrator if you want. Look. Thank you. By the way, this kicks the crap out of the Ben Stein show. <laughs> you've worked on you've worked on a farm, haven't you? How old are you? Eighteen. Okay, good. You sure of that? Because <laughs> Uncle Jimmy doesn't need to do time. It's not going to bite you. Think that you hold a pen? I think it's a very creative guess, but no, it is not. It is actually a thing that goes in the sink. You see, it's round, it's hard. Yeah, yes. A little squishy on the side. Yeah, sometimes. It tips a little, well. Yeah. Maybe it would be easier if you put your mouth on it. <laughs> mouth, breast, whatever you like. And guess what is in my pants? I need mean, Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. I don't know if I can't think. <laughs> Feel harder. Feel a little bit faster. Like squeeze. It? Squeeze. It feels like it's... Feels like what? I have no clue. What is in my pants is half a jelly donut. I ate, I ate the other half earlier. This is a good game. This is a good game. It feels kind of like squid. A chicken leg. Mm. Tastes like martinez. Oh no, wait, martinez tastes like chicken. Yeah, feel around. And if you could feel around in a back and forth motion. Yeah, gradually getting faster and... That's a dildo. Let's see if she's right. It is actually a king crab leg. You've got a nice technique there. You could get in the Olympics with this, let me tell you. All right, we could keep going. So basically, what's in my pants? Oh, you grab it. Yeah, grab with two hands. Uh, You should put your mouth on it. How old are you? 18. Oh, I don't want Uncle Jimmy to go to jail. Fun? Is it all good fun and humor? Really, Jimmy's been wanting to be the great political activist now that he is. Hasn't been talking a lot about Weinstein. Then you've got other people. Now, this is where it's getting very interesting. Let's listen to Ronan Ronan Farrow explain how NBC News passed on the story. Why did you end up reporting this story for The New Yorker and not for NBC News? Look, you would have to ask NBC and NBC executives about the details of that story. I'm not going to comment on any news organization's story that they, um, you know, did or didn't run. Uh, I will say that over many years... Many news organizations have circled this story and faced a great deal of pressure in doing so. Mm. And there are now reports emerging publicly about the kinds of pressure that news organizations face in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is real. In, in the course of this reporting, I was threatened with a lawsuit personally by Mr. Weinstein. And, um, you know, we've already seen that The Times has been publicly threatened with a suit. I don't want to describe uh, any suits leveled at other organizations that I work with. But, uh, you know, certainly and this it- is a, a considerable amount of pressure that out. Let's get us and NBC says that, you know, you didn't, that the, the story wasn't publishable, that it wasn't ready to go by the time that you brought it to them. But obviously it's ready to go by the time you got it into the New Yorker. Uh, I walked into the door at the New Yorker with a uh, an explosively reportable piece that should have been public earlier. And uh, immediately, obviously, the New Yorker recognized that. And it is not accurate to say that it was not reportable. In fact, there were multiple determinations that it was reportable at NBC. Well. 
when we have the New York Times. Then we've got, you know, here's the proof that we, you know, let's go to 30 Rock. This is them joking about who Harvey Weinstein really is. Listen to this. I'm not afraid of anyone in show business. I turned down intercourse with Harvey Weinstein on no less than three occasions out of five. And then the same, Seth MacFarlane did the same thing. You want to hear something really creepy? Ed Asner was on with Chris Jansing. I happen to know Chris Jansing. She's a lovely person. And um, anyway, and he actually goes on the air and says, can I have a kiss? What is wrong with these people? Listen. I'm joined now by a man who starred in one of those groundbreaking shows, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, winner of seven Emmy Awards more than any other man, Ed Asner, who helped demonstrate the changing culture of independent women in the workplace for millions of Americans each week. Ed Asner, wow, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming in. Well, thank you. Not even a kiss. No, nothing, right? Oh, my God. Not even a kiss. That's a great way to start an interview. Then you got Hillary Burton alleging Ben Affleck groped her. Listen to this. You're always like, I'm just free spirited. It's so nice to see you. And he wraps his arm around me and comes over and tweaks my left boob. Nice <laughs> mm, that was nice of Ben Affleck. He since apologized. Gwyneth Paltrow was on with David Letterman talking about Weinstein coercing people. This is how well-known this is. Now, listen. You're going to be here with us, and then you go away with your family, right? Yes. What is, I, it, what is that like with a family? A big family? I have a big family. This year, we're sort of scattered all over the place. And oddly enough, my parents, my brother, my mom's half of the family is in California, mm-hmm. which is strange, because normally we do the East Coast right. leaves and fire. Yeah. I, I think it is, uh, the East Coast lends itself more uh, gracefully to Thanksgiving than, you know, the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, so are you excited? You go out there and you go tonight, you go tomorrow, what do you do? Well, I would have ordinarily gone, you know, not on Thanksgiving, yeah. but I'm here for you. I know. So tomorrow. <laughs> and you. Thank you. But are you, are you here of your own free will? <laughs> Has someone coerced you <laughs> into being here? Do you count Harvey Weinstein as a coercer? Uh, uh, now, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein is a, as a uh, I, I don't know whether he's in some kind of organized crime now, <laughs> but he used to be like some kind of junior mob kind of guy, right? He was, he was like in the mob auxiliary. That's what they tell me. Yeah, but, and now he's me. like a big, powerful film guy, right? Yes, I do all my movies for Harvey Weinstein. That's Miramax mm-hmm. for all of you. Yeah. And I'm lucky to do them there. But he will coerce you to do it. And so, and so Harvey said, I tell you what, go on and, and, and talk about your movie. Is that what Harvey said? Yeah. And, and in return, what will Harvey do for you? <laughs> Nothing. Really? Well, what's wrong with that equation? <laughs> As the kids say, you do the math. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with Harvey's behavior. And, and <laughs> because I'm grateful to him in, in the sense that it, he brought you here tonight. Right. You know, thank God for Harvey. Uh, <laughs> all right there you go and it's all over you know now here's where i went with this and oliver stone now being accused i don't know what's going on with rose mcgowan kate beckinsdale now wow she was accused said she was 17 years old and you know invites her up to his room and you know she's uh offered alcohol by harvey weinstein it's kind of creepy and she said she was young and naive. It wasn't worse than that, but it could have been, obviously, based on all this behavior. Um, here's my question. When is anybody now going to take this to the next step on the left? 
And I have been saying on this program that there's something fundamentally wrong about the way politics is run in this country. Where every two years and every four years, um, we have a playbook that is used by a Democratic Party. And they falsely accuse conservatives of being racist. They falsely accuse conservatives, Republicans, of being misogynist. Poor Mitt Romney. How many weeks was it? Oh, a binder with women's resumes that he wanted to hire. What a horrible, misogynistic, hateful person he was. It was such a bunch of crap. Everybody knew the media covered this up. And here's what they've also covered up. And I I, I tried my best. Hillary Clinton herself has taken a fortune. And she made the statement... I was appalled. I was disgusted about all of this. I was shocked. I was sickened. I was appalled. And I'm like, you weren't shocked, sickened, and appalled by your own husband, and nor were you shocked, shocked, sickened, and appalled by what the the countries you take millions of dollars from, millions and millions for the Clinton Foundation, from countries that practice Sharia, where women are treated like garbage. Women are told how to dress. Women are told if they can go to school, if they can go to work. Women are told if they can even leave the house, and it's usually with a male relative. They can't travel abroad. Women can't drive cars in some of these countries. Marital rape and domestic abuse in some of these countries are not even crimes. And she took money from all of them. Gays and lesbians are often killed just for being who they are. Assassinated, murdered. She took money from these countries. You can't build churches and temples in a lot of these countries either. Nobody ever during the election seemed to care except me because it's morally repugnant. So the very thing liberals claim that they're the champion are on, they're not. That goes for the media. That goes for liberal Hollywood. You know, did they care about Bill Clinton shenanigans? Did they care about all the money that Hillary took from all those countries? No. What does that mean? That means they're phony hypocrites. And this is all, frankly, feigned, selective, moral outrage. All right, 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Um, you know what? we got so much going on here. We have the House Freedom Caucus members. Kevin Brady is the head of the House Ways and Means Committee. And we've got Newt Gingrich today. And we'll get your call. Right. We're going to do a deep dive into this tax plan, why it's so important to get passed. It gets passed for the people that have been left behind, the forgotten men and women. We have the head of the House Ways and Means Committee. We've got two Freedom Caucus members, the Iranian deal, the value voters speech with Newt Gingrich, and so much more on this busy Breaking News Friday. For eight years, you guys had a plan. You, you kept saying and promising you would repeal, replace Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And I guess what people want to know is when are these things going to get done? We're exactly on the timeline that we designed for ourselves. Obamacare is coming next. Our bill is coming in March. First, it's regulatory reform because we had this window of time to cancel bad Obama regulations. Then we're doing Obamacare. After we're done with Obamacare, then we're doing our budget. And our budget is what the second budget, which will be tax reform. So we're doing two budgets in one year, which has never been done before. This is faster than it's ever been done before. When I heard repair, my head nearly exploded. That's not the plan. The plan is, is to repeal and replace this law. Like we said, we ran on a plan to repeal and replace it. Tom Price helped write 
write that plan. He is now Donald Trump's secretary of so HHS. So there is a consensus plan that's yes. now being scored by the CBO. Correct. You're saying to the American people and conservatives that are impatient, including myself, you agree with every item I mentioned, even extreme vetting. Yeah, you we, we passed that bill a year ago in the House. I know you now agree with building the wall. Yes. Are you telling the American people vetting refugees, building the wall, repeal, replace, tax reform, all of this is going to be done in 200 days? Inside the 200-day window is the regulatory reforms we talked about. It's the repeal and replace Obamacare. It's the budget. It's the rebuilding of our military. It's tax reform. Those are the things that we're working on, and infrastructure. Those are the things we're working on in this 2017 calendar. in the equation? Because That's in there as well. We, we, okay. we see that as part of regulatory reform. But in so, 200 days, that's you think that's doable? This is our plan, yeah. And if... And and if there's any slippage, we'll finish it in the fall and get it done before the end of the year. So if I come back in 200 days, I, you're going to you're gonna go, well, I made a promise. We yeah, got to go. Well, because I think this is so, important. So here's what I'm saying. We, we've met this out for 200 days. We have a plan to do that. We're on schedule. But if, if anything slips because of It'll be another Supreme Court justice yeah, or, or a filibuster on a cabinet nominee, that might slip us. But we're, we're making sure that we do all of this in 2017. Okay, let's go to the budget, which is such a big issue. Uh, the president, seven brackets to three. 15% corporate rate. I know you prefer 20 because that well, scores. I, no, I prefer 15. I just, scores. Yeah, I have to get what we can with the okay. with the numbers. You support repatriation, multinational corporations. That will be huge. For that's a lot of money that can come back into the economy. Probably about three trillion dollars. Here's my headline of this interview: that you're in pretty much full agreement with do, with what Donald Trump ran on. Yes. And number two. In 200 days, from the legislative side, you are going to be implementing every aspect of that agenda that we talked about. Yep, and, and just to That's add a in, big headline. And we, have, and we have cushion in our schedule. If, if anything slips, because it's really because of Senate issues, we still have time to accommodate all of this stuff so in 2017. So I even have safety valves. I have cushions built in the schedule yeah. to make sure this all gets done in 2017 I believe in case something happens and goes sideways on the Senate. I'm pretty sure that will stimulate the economy, get people Absolutely. back to work. And, and get the economy moving again, which I think we need. That's what we're hired to do. All right, Mr. Speaker, right. you'll see you in 200 days. I'm going to ask for a show of hands, but I know everybody's saying we've been there, haven't done anything, which uh, I find extremely irritating. And I'm going to tell you why. A Congress goes on for two years. And part of the reason I think that the storyline is that we haven't done much is because in part, the president and others have set these early timelines about things need to be done by a certain point. Now, our new president had, of course, not been in this line of work before, and I think had excessive expectations about how quickly things happen in the democratic process. And so part of the reason I think people feel like we're under underperforming is because too many kind of artificial deadlines un unrelated to the reality of the complexity of legislating may not have been fully understood. And of course, our political adversaries would be loved, loved to say that anytime. So what I'm asking of you is to judge this Congress when it finishes. How much have we done to make America competitive again and to grow again? And that's part of America making America great again, which is what uh, the president talks about so much. How many times do you pass something and it just goes over and it sits on the Senate calendar? You've got what? More, more than 100 items sitting over there waiting uh, oh, for the Oh, it's Senate 273, deck. but who's counting? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe 274, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, we're going to keep people here until Christmas if we have to. I mean, I don't care. We got to get this done. I mean, it's just that important. And so um, we are actually on track timeline-wise. Uh, the House passed its budget resolution. The Senate got it out of their committee. Next week, they'll move their budget resolution. Then we'll go to a conference committee, get that done, pass that conference report. And then the Ways and Means Committee will put their bill out because they have to get a revenue line from the from budget conference budget, report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then they'll put their bill out, and then we'll go to markup, and we'll go to the floor. Uh, we'll get it over to the Senate in November, and, and then the Senate will process it. And that gives us time to get this thing done in law. All right, there you heard Paul Ryan and what he has wanted to accomplish and the timeline he wanted to accomplish it. To a larger extent, uh, he certainly has done a lot more in the House, and the House has done a lot more than the Senate. There's 280 bills passed in the House, including really good bills like Kate's Law, Sanctuary Cities, and and a lot of other things that the Senate can't get done, like health care, for example. And there is some worry and concern about this tax plan and whether it's going to get passed in the House and then get held up again in the Senate. What's what's John McCain going to do? What's Susan Collins going to do? What's Lisa Murkowski going to do? Rand Paul was very clear that if he gets tax cuts for the middle class, he's on board. Anyway, joining us now, Jim Jordan, former president of the Freedom Caucus. He's still a member. And Ted Yoho is with us. Congressman, welcome both of you to the uh, program. Uh, Good to be with you. You know, Thanks, I on the one hand, I know people are angry at all of Congress, but the House has certainly done a better job than the Senate. And I assume both of you are hearing, Jim Jordan, you're hearing Ted Cruz say, well, it may be next year. That scares me. No, it shouldn't be. It should be now. American people are tired of waiting. You're tired of waiting. We're tired of waiting. Uh, and we're frustrated, as as you rightly point out. Um, you know, six Republican senators, Sean, uh, voted against the very same legis- on health care, the very same legislation, exact same word, same sentence, the same period, same comma, same punctuation, I mean, same bill. They voted against it back in July that they had supported 20 months ago. That's what's frustrating. So let's uh, let's get this. I'm confident, as the Speaker said, we will get the tax bill out of the House. Freedom Caucus supported the budget last week because we got a framework of where this plan's going, the rates that are coming down. We, we believe it's going to do the three things that matter most. Let people keep more of their money, simplify the code, and be conducive to producing economic growth. And so we said we'll support it. We'll pass the budget. I think it will get through the House, but jeepers, who knows what happens in the United States Senate. Yeah, it's true. And Senator, I'm sorry, Congressman Yoho, what do you think? Well, I agree with Jim. I, I hear a lot of deja vu, you know, on the what's going on with the tax plan that happened with health care. And as Jim said, we passed the budget, and that budget is a framework and a vehicle to use reconciliation to uh, get the tax reform. We have to deliver on tax reform. And, you know, we tried to get the, the conference to stay in through August um, so that we could do just this. And I heard Paul Ryan on your interview, you know, the sound bites that, you know, uh, we've got to get this done. We may work through Christmas. Well, we should have worked through August, too. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to beat, uh, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, um, say anything negative. Let's see what we get done. But it has to get done. Well, I agree it has to get done, but health care had to get done. And I actually love what the president did yesterday. I mean, going I back to this 1974 law, which, mm-hmm. you know, corporations that have offices in different states are allowed to now bypass the, whatever the state regulations are and federal le- regulations under the ACA and Obamacare and form a cooperative or a group of some kind. And now individuals, you know, all restaurant workers can now, you know, form their own association or co-op and they can negotiate uh, down prices because of the volume of people that will be on the individual plans. And they can buy across state lines and, and catastrophic care isn't illegal and they can have many, many options for the very differing plans that people need. And maybe they'll buy their plan in Alabama and it'll serve every restaurant worker in the in the country and at a much lower rate. They're going to start saving money. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead. The association plans, interstate shopping, all make good sense. What the president did uh, yesterday and today with these these executive orders was uh, exactly what he told the voters he was going to do and why they elected him. He's trying to make health care better. He's trying to bring back affordable uh, insurance and bring down the cost of premiums. And frankly, what he did on these bailout payments, these CSR payments, this is simply following the rule of law and following the Constitution because the court has said you cannot do what the Obama administration had done. And and the president, just like he did on the DACA immigration issue, he said, I'm not going to violate the rule of law. I'm not going to violate the Constitution. And and so I I applaud the president for the positions he has taken, not only on the DACA immigration issue, but on this health care issue as well. And it's simply doing – it's something we talk about in the Freedom Caucus all the time. It's simply doing what you told the voters you were going to do when they elected you, and that is what we need to stay focused on doing. Is there any conversations with the House and Senate? Like, I know Mark Meadows was spending a lot of time during the health care debate, you know, working with senators and trying to get that bill passed. And, and he was fairly confident that they actually may get there a couple of times and you just fell barely short on the thing. Um, is there a lot of discussions and do you have a feel at all that the Senate can stick to its timetable and, and get their job done in the month of November? Uh, this Jim here, but Sean, yeah, I do, and we are having those discussions. I mean, we, I talk with the senators all the time. Uh, it, you know, that's just the nature of our our, our line of work. Uh, I do think the senators are feeling as well. Uh, you know, when you go back home and you talk to regular people, they're like, "Let's go." So I think the senators are feeling like, you know what? The way this health care thing played out wasn't the way it was supposed to work. People aren't too pleased. Let's make sure we actually let them keep more of their money. Let's make sure we simplify the tax code. Let's make sure we construct a code on the corporate side that's going to produce jobs and economic growth. And I think they're hearing that from people back home. So, again, while I'm real confident about the House, my confidence is growing that the Senate will be able to get there, too. Yeah, I agree with that. And And you think it'll get done by the end of the year, by, by Thanksgiving, Christmas, the latest? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, 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 mean, think, it, it we, I, I think we have to again. Sean, you, you brought up about what the president did and in, in moving on an executive order. You know, Rand Paul had the idea of association plans that he was pushing back at the very first of the year, and we should have gone with that. And then um, what we did is we introduced a bill called Hold Harmless that would allow insurance companies to write policies that weren't restricted to the mandates of Obamacare so that they could craft new policies so that they could sell those to drive down the cost of insurance. And then the Affordable Care Act would die on its own demise. Uh, And so we've got an initiative to get that passed through. um, And that's a way to dismantle the Affordable Care Act. And uh, I I applaud the president for what he's doing. I think it's the right way to go. And unfortunately, you know, via executive orders, is not the best way, but we'll take it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back more with Freedom Caucus members Jim Jordan and Ted Yoho is with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, as we continue with Freedom Caucus members Jim Jordan and Ted Yoho is with us. On the president, he laid out his plan on Iran today to get tough, and appeasement is now gone, and especially on the Iranian uh, forces, military forces, uh, is this going to be enough to stop them from fomenting terror, fighting proxy wars, and, their, of course, their pursuit of nuclear weapons? Jim Jordan. I think so. And uh, I'm like you, Sean. I think, what, I think what today's message was mostly about was uh, just, just telling the whole world appeasement, uh, weakness, this whole Obama leading from behind approach 
is done. It's over. It, there is a new sheriff in town. There is a president who understands that the world is better and safer when America leads, and the world is certainly better and safer when Iran is not on a course to get nuclear weapons. So what the president proposed today is right on target. And this is, the large, as, as you rightly know and, and, and have talked about, the largest state sponsor of terrorism, a group that is supporting Assad, a group that is supporting Hezbollah, a, a, a country that is you know, wants to go after our best ally in the world, Israel, uh, what the president did today is the right thing to do. And frankly, what we need to do now in the Congress is start working on the sanctions that we might need to put back in place and we might need to put them back in place ASAP. You know, Ted, <laughs> excuse me, Congressman Yoho, when I was in Harrisburg, PA, yeah. uh, I talked to a lot of people and I asked them three basic questions. What do you think of the president? What do you think of uh, Congress? And what do you think of the media? Well, they like the president. They hate Congress. They hate the media. Do you think your colleagues know how much they're hated? Well, I think they do. You know, and that, you know, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of blame to go around. And, you know, we'll take our share. But as you brought out in the beginning, beginning uh, you know, uh, the House has passed over 250 bills and over or 300 over 300 bills and 250. of Those are sitting idle in the Senate collecting dust. So there's plenty of blame to go around. But we also have to look at the things that have happened. The American people allowed us to be able to say President Trump, not President Clinton. We've got a judge called Neil Gorsuch, and that wouldn't have happened under Hillary Clinton. We've repealed the Dodd-Frank bill basically in the House. The Senate needs to move and act. Well, I agree. What are the other actions that are going to happen? I'm afraid that, that the president will make a deal, although he said this week he will not, on the issue of DACA without get funding for full funding for the wall first and it's yeah. always the same deal the deal is oh you get the consideration you never get the wall built you never get the protections you always get the tax increase you never get the spending cuts congressman yeah. jordan no, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, look, I, I know the president wants to uh, do exactly what we told the voters, but I, I get nervous about when, when we have this spending deadline coming. Uh, the, the government funding bill comes due on December eighth. I get nervous that bad things can happen when you have this the big spending package come due. So you're right. Uh, that this, if we're going to do anything on DACA. There should be actual block being laid on the border to do the border security wall like the American people demanded in the last election. Or there should be, a, a, the same time when that passes, there should be some mayor in, 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 in California, in San Francisco, and, and Rahm Emanuel in Chicago standing up and screaming because we're actually taking away dollars from these sanctuary cities. That's the kind of thing that has to get done in any type of immigration overhaul that we do because that's what the American people elected us to accomplish. And so we got to push for those things that if there is going to be some... Uh, some addressing the DACA situation, those elements have to be a part of the, any agreement that goes forward, and that's that's what we have to focus on. All right, guys, thank you both for being with us. We appreciate it. Jim Jordan, Ted Yoho, uh, <clears throat> 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We also have Newt Gingrich coming up, and the head of the ever-powerful House Ways and Means Committee, Kevin Brady, is going to join us as well. We'll get your calls in straight ahead. Sean gets the answers no one else does. A 
America deserves to know the truth about Congress. And you know, the Democrats told a very terrible fib. They said that they read the brackets so that the brackets were inverted. And if you read it that way, but that's not the way it goes. And we've been praised for the amount of money, the middle class. This is really what I'm looking for. For the middle class, I call it the working people. And the working people are going to get a massive tax break. And corporations and companies and small companies are going to get large-scale tax relief. And they'll be able to keep compete with anybody in the world, which is what we need. You're trying to incentivize those trillions to come back here with a low repatriation rate. How low will that be? And how much do you think you can bring back into the United States? And what does it mean? Okay. So right now you have probably, and nobody knows the exact number because it's, I I actually think it's much higher than people understand, but it'll probably be over $3 trillion is outside of our country and our companies, and they just can't get it back. They're trying, but they can't get it back. Number one, it's a bureaucratic mess. Number two, the tax rate is so high, it doesn't make sense. So what they do is they invest it in Europe and other places where the money is. And I'll tell you what they do also. They leave the country because the money becomes so much and so valuable to them that they leave the country, our country, to go and get their money. So they leave the country and they fire everybody. Now what we're doing is we're lowering the rate so they can bring it back in. We're giving them a shot to bring all that money. It's all going to come back in. It's going to come back in immediately. It's going to be more than $3 trillion. Probably we're looking at a 10% rate. It may be around that number, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but it's going to be right around that number, probably 10%. And right now what it is is 35% plus. Now who's going to bring money back when you have to pay, by the time you finish, almost half of your money in tax. So You're never going to bring it back. So we're going to have that money come back in. It's going to put people to work so fast and the money itself is going to go to work very fast. And you know, say what you want about Democrats and Republicans. For years, years and years, everybody's wanted to do that. You have trillions of dollars outside of our country, offshore, and the Democrats wanted it back, the Republicans wanted it back, everybody wanted it back, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't get a deal. We're going to do a deal, and we're putting it down as part of our tax cuts. That's not really true that this is a tax cut for the wealthy as they're portraying it. What is your answer to that? Well, you know, you have some really well-run states that have very little borrowing. Some have no borrowing, but they have very little borrowing. And it's unfair that a state that is well-run is really subsidizing states that have been horribly mismanaged. I won't use names, but we understand the names. But there are some states that have hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in borrowing. And it's unfair that those states really are being subsidized by states like Indiana and Iowa. And I mean, I could name many states. I could probably name three quarters of them. They're so well run and they're being penalized. They're being penalized and it's not fair. And so what we're doing is we're showing that. Now, with all of that, the tax cuts are so steep that the people in every state benefit. But it's finally time to say, hey, make sure that your politicians do a good job of running your state. Otherwise, you're not going to benefit. You know, you look at a place like Florida. It's really well run by Rick Scott. And, you know, by Governor Scott, he's done a great job. And so many people have done a great job. The, The people that had the intelligence to elect them, should really benefit and that's what we're doing we're creating an incentive and the dot the bottom line though look the tax cut is massive 
We're bringing it down to 20 percent. We're bringing it down to uh, 12 percent for individuals. Uh, we're bringing it down to zero in some cases. It's the biggest tax cut in the history of our country, and it's going to spur growth, and it's going to keep our companies here. Our companies are leaving because the taxes are so high. All right, 23 now till the top of the hour on this Friday. Toll free on numbers 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. And that was the president with me two days ago. And Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, explaining what his tax plan is all about. Now, in the House, the person that is going to be most responsible for getting this out is it's a change in tax law, is the chairman of the ever so powerful House Ways and Means Committee. The chairman of that committee, Kevin Brady, joins us now. And, uh, sir, welcome to the program. How are you? Well, Sean, I'm doing great. So I heard that, uh, boy, the crowd in that hangar in Pennsylvania loved that interview. Well, yeah, you can hear it. Um, No, and you know what? I love the tax plan. Yeah. Um, our, uh, I have a friend, I'm sure you've read his book, Larry Kudlow, and he's, he oh, yeah. chronicles the success of the Kennedy tax cuts and the Reagan tax cuts. And, you know, I could tell you Reagan went from 70 to 28 percent in the top marginal rate, 21 million new jobs created, and and we doubled revenues to the government. And there's still a mentality and a mindset that you got to tax people or else you're not going to have any money. But if you grow the economy, it's a far better option. And all those people on food stamps and out of work and uh, on the unemployment lines and in poverty would have an opportunity. We want growth in jobs. We want growth in paychecks. We want the growth in the United States. We want to leapfrog America from we're nearly dead last among our global competitors into that top lead pack and keep us there that is that will as the president predicted that'll that'll bring those jobs those research facilities the manufacturing plants back to america and and all of that you know is incredibly important unless this country wants to settle for this mess of a tax code in this slow growth economy where no one can really get ahead. That's the thing. And this election was about the forgotten men and the forgotten yep. women. You don't look at the numbers today. I mean, you've got some of the, the highlights, the sentiment in the country. Cons- consumer confidence now is at a 13-year high. You know, you, I, I brought this up with the president, the, the growth in terms of a million-plus jobs already created. Uh, he's been able to eliminate a lot of the burdensome regulation. I don't see the problem being in the House, as I was talking with Freedom Caucus members just before you got on. They don't see a problem in the house but we mm-hmm. see another big problem emerging in the senate i mean Ted well, Cruz is worry. Saying, look um no budget no tax code uh no tax reform it's very clear and so the senate takes this up uh next week and we're hopeful they finish it out because again if they futz around delay it come up on some excuses um we're not going to get tax reform done and we're on a timetable to get this to the president's desk by the end of the year if we can get this budget in place. Well, it really has to happen, and I'll ask Newt Gingrich about it in the next half hour, because if you want the economic growth that will yeah. jumpstart, if, look, if the American people start going back to work, people start getting out of poverty, we do have a seven-year low now in terms of the labor participation rate. It was literally the highest, the lowest that it had been in years, and now it's the highest in terms of participation, which is a good thing in seven years. And similarly, we we have a seven-year low of people on food stamps. So there's certainly movement in the economy. There Um, really is. And and you'll hear from the skeptics. They'll say, look, we're at full employment. There really is nothing we can do to get out of this sub-2% growth. But the president's already showed in his first nine months, 
there's a lot you can do. And just rebalancing regulations, trying to get Obamacare off people's backs. And now on tax reform, look, we can jump to start this economy in a big way. We don't have to settle for stagnant paychecks. And, Sean, we talked about this the first time we visited, which is can you imagine a tax code so fair and simple, nine out of ten people will be able to file using a simple postcard-style system. That fair, that flat, that, that's the boldness we're going for here. A couple of questions that I asked the president that I want to ask you is the top rate is, what, 39%? That would go to mm-hmm. 35%. But you're going to lose, for example, the alternative minimum tax is done away with, but also state and local tax income tax deductions go away. Now, I live in New York, uh, in New York, so that means, you know, I pay a, a top rate of nearly 10% in terms of state income tax. In California, it's 13.5%. They have a high rate in a state like New Jersey and in Illinois. So probably if I'm doing the math right, my rate may be lower, but I'm going to end up paying more because I can't deduct those things. So I, I think at the end of the day, you will have less of a tax burden than you do today. In fact, our goal is to help people keep more of what they earn no matter where they live, in a high-tax state or low-tax state. And what that means is, look, to get to the postcard-style system, we're jettisoning a lot of those special provisions for some and lowering the rates for everybody. And we're working with, I'm working with, so is the House uh, leadership, uh, working with our lawmakers in high-tax states. They just want to make sure their families are better off. And I'm, and I'm confident we will uh, make them better off. Because look, at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't know how in New York and California, Illinois, well, those governors and mayors have been soaking, really putting the screws to people for way too long. And they're being hurt. So I think we need to provide tax relief to every American, regardless of where you live. Let me focus on the middle class part of this tax cut, which I agree on the corporate tax cut. I agree on on changing rates, as the president corrected me the other night. It really is eight to four, not seven to three, because yeah, you have people right. that don't pay. OK, so but it's it's within his campaign promise. And when you talk about the middle class, which is the overwhelming majority, and, and Rand Paul was adamant about this yesterday, that the he doesn't want that rate to be at 25 percent for people that are making say, between 75000 and $300,000. In other words, the middle class, upper middle class in this country, will they get a cut, a net cut in this? answer is absolutely yes. In fact, that, that is our top priority on the individual side. Besides that simple postcard system, that middle class, the tax cut. And uh, I know some of, the, some of the analysis that's been floating around, in fact, I'm, Rand uses one of them from this very ultra-liberal tax group that hated Trump's plan, that hated Senator Paul's and Senator Cruz's plan, uh, to try to make the claim we're not providing middle-class tax cut. But I know the way we're setting the income uh, limits, those brackets, increasing the child tax credit and doubling that standard deduction, the middle class, I think, Uh, will be the most pleased uh, when they see this tax reform plan. So the majority of those cuts, and then you'll still have, you know, the bottom 40 or 50 percent of Americans at best pay 2 percent of the federal income tax bill. They'll still have a majority of people or a near majority that pay nothing at all in federal income taxes, correct? You know, the answer is yes, because that's one of our challenges over the years is that that fewer and fewer Americans are paying uh, those income tax at least and more and more Americans are carrying, fewer Americans are carrying the ball. And so that's why when people say, look, let's, let's try to raise taxes on the successful, our answer is let's not. Uh, why punish people for being successful 
people have built up a family-owned farm or a business or just worked hard, maybe two jobs. Why are we punishing them? Why don't we let everybody keep more of what they earn? All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. And Kevin Brady is the chairman of the Powerful House Ways and Means Committee. We'll talk about the Senate and whether this bill is going to get through the Senate when we get back. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity show, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Kevin Brady, is with us. Congressman, I want to ask, is a Washington Post piece out today, Finance 202, McCain could give the same thumbs down to a tax overhaul as he did to health care. Uh, Ted Cruz is quoted as saying this might not happen till next year. And I'm just telling you, somebody is an outsider. Everybody's saying to me, why can't they get their job done in the Senate? How hard is it, Sean, for us to, as Republicans in the House and the Senate and with the president, unite behind him on tax reform? And I'd add to on health care reform as well. But here we are. We need a budget out of the House and Senate, the House is delivered. Uh, We need tax reform out of the House and Senate. And as soon as the budget's done, Sean, like within 24 hours, I expect to bring forward uh, the full comprehensive tax reform plan. So we're determined to get this to the president before the end of the year. And the budget, I think, is going to be the pivotal part of it. It needs to be done this month. Well, you're ha- obviously in negotiations. You've talked to Mitch McConnell. Have you talked to John McCain? Have you talked to Susan Collins? Have you talked yeah. to Lisa Murkowski? Have you talked to all these other Republicans? Rand Paul, uh, I know his one big issue has to be that it's got to be a middle class tax cut. You said that's handled. So, yep. you know, who do you look at that might be a problem? Yeah, so I've not talked to, to well, I, I do talk to a number of the senators. I've not talked to Senator McCain or Collins on the budget. Uh, I know that. Uh, a number of the tax, pro-tax reform centers are talking to those centers. And I'm in, look, um, uh, I know Senator McCain has voted for the budget, I think, every year since he's been the Republican budget, since he's been in the Senate. So here, with the one in 30 years that will allow us to do pro-growth tax reform, I can't imagine why you wouldn't, especially this is probably the most important uh, budget vote. And I voted on four that balanced. And this was is even more important because of this Reagan style reform. Yeah, I mean, and you think of the success of Kennedy and Reagan, you think it'd be a no brainer. Um, It is. I mean, if, they, if they're not going to get it done in the Senate, I mean, why are we even bothering at this point? Well, look, I, I'm, I'm actually, Sean, I, you know, I'm actually optimistic here. Look, people around the country may have been divided about Obamacare. I, I'm not. It's failing in Texas. But no one can defend this current tax code and how it costs families and young people and America's falling behind. And I'm hopeful whether you're a, a senator or a, a House member, you're getting an earful back home that people want you to deliver on our promises. And so, you know, I'm, I'm more optimistic here. And I think, too, the president has played a key role, you know, sitting down, working on a unified tax reform plan with the House and Senate. Um, that wasn't done even till very late in the Reagan uh, process. That took about two and a half years. We're trying to be, we're very ambitious and aggressive. We want to get this done by the end of the year. So pulling together on that key framework, I think that makes, that's going to make a big difference going forward. All right, Congressman, keep us in the loop. We appreciate yes, it. Sir. From my mindset, it needs to be done by Thanksgiving, Christmas the latest. And to me, it's, it's we want to get the real economic growth the president wants, the country needs, that's going to have to get done. Uh, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, News Roundup Information Overload. We'll get to your calls. Also, Newt Gingrich will weigh in and much more. Straight ahead. This radical regime 
has raided the wealth of one of the world's oldest and most vibrant nations and spread death, destruction, and chaos all around the globe. Beginning in 1979, agents of the Iranian regime illegally seized the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. The nuclear deal threw Iran's dictatorship a political and economic lifeline, providing urgently needed relief from the intense domestic pressure the sanctions had created. It also gave the regime an immediate financial boost. And over $100 billion its government could use to fund terrorism. The regime also received a massive cash settlement of $1.7 billion from the United States, a large portion of which was physically loaded onto an airplane and flown into Iran. Just imagine the sight of those huge piles of money being hauled off by the Iranians waiting at the airport for the cash. I wonder where all that money went. Worst of all, the deal allows Iran to continue developing certain elements of its nuclear program. And importantly, in just a few years, as key restrictions disappear, Iran can sprint towards a rapid nuclear weapons breakout. In other words, we got weak inspections in exchange for no more than a purely short-term and temporary delay in Iran's path to nuclear weapons. What is the purpose of a deal that, at best, only delays Iran's nuclear capability for a short period of time? This, as President of the United States, is unacceptable. The flaws in the deal also include insufficient enforcement and near-total silence on Iran's missile programs. Congress has already begun the work to address these problems. Key House and Senate leaders are drafting legislation that would amend the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act to strengthen enforcement, prevent Iran from developing an Internet uh, — this is so totally important — an intercontinental ballistic missile and make all restrictions on Iran's nuclear activity permanent under U.S. law. So important. I support these initiatives. However, in the event we are not able to reach a solution working with Congress and our allies, then the agreement will be terminated. It is under continuous review, and our participation can be canceled by me as president at any time. All right, that was the president making his big announcement on Iran today and the Iranian deal, and he is now pulled back on this and offering a new strategy, core new elements, that will focus on neutralizing Iran's destabilizing influence in the entire region and the world and constraining their aggression, particularly their support of terrorism and proxy wars and militants. And anyway, Newt Gingrich is here to respond to this. Mr. Speaker, I thought it was one of his best speeches today on foreign policy, and it was firm and it was tough and it was realistic and well thought out. I, you know, they, they have worked together as a team, and this is one of those things the elite media doesn't want to cover. But you, you had all the major elements of the cabinet. I mean, Tillerson, uh, Mattis, 
uh, McMaster, Kelly, uh, Mnuchin at, at Treasury, everybody was working together to develop this strategy. Uh, they spent weeks on it. They consulted carefully with key people in the Senate and the House. Uh, and the result is um, that they are, I think, announcing a very bold, very dramatic shift. But it's very nuanced. They didn't pull out of the deal at this point. They set the stage to either get a lot of stuff fixed or in the future pull out of the deal. They uh, have got Treasury for the very first time engaged in uh, taking on the Revolutionary Guard and cutting off their fin their financial capabilities, uh, which is a big step towards making this a government-wide operation. Uh, they announced clearly their determination to, to stop the Iranian effort to create uh, all the way from Tehran to, to Lebanon and the Mediterranean, an Iranian-dominated world. And I think our allies in the region will be pleased. Uh, uh, the Saudis and all the 55 countries who came to meet with, uh, the, with the president in Riyadh, I think they will all be pleased by the speech and feel that it really sets the tone for taking on the Iranians. Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I think the crackdown on the Revolutionary Guard is, is clear. Uh, Netanyahu has congratulated the president, so clearly there's there's just the beginning of support from those in the region. There's been this emerging alliance between Israel, Saudi Arabia, the Egyptians, and the Jordanians. Um, I had the opportunity when he was in town for the United Nations to sit down with the president of Egypt, el-Sisi, and, and get into this in detail. He clearly seems to be one of the few that really understands the danger of radical Islam and has very courageously taken it on. Well, of course, he had a speech last year to uh, the most prestigious university in the Muslim world, and he said to all these gathered professors, look, you are the people who have to fix this. You've allowed us to scare the world, and we cannot continue to go down this road. He is very tough, very direct. Uh, and I thought uh, made a lot of sense, and I, I, he has shown enormous courage. Uh, and as you know, in, in my new novel, Vengeance, we have Mossad and the Saudis both working with the United States to try to stop terrorists who've gotten nuclear material from North Korea. And I think that represents the future. I think you're going to see all of these other countries coming together. The, the, the big divide is no longer Israel versus the Arabs. The big divide is Israel and the Arabs versus Iran and versus the terrorists. And uh, that is an enormous change in the world. And I thought Trump today did a superb job of laying it out in a calm, clear, I thought very well-delivered speech. Uh, and I thought his outline of the history of that period was very good. I'd, I'd actually written a paper a couple weeks ago that circulated at the White House uh, talking about death uh, to America, which is what they were chanting uh, in the uh, parliament in Iran when they were passing their military budget. Uh, and... Uh, I'm going to publish a, a new version of it tomorrow because, uh, you know, the president did exactly what I thought he should do. And, it's, um, and I want to praise him and I want to praise the entire team because they all work together to make this possible. President's had a pretty amazing week when you think of his executive order on health care and how it would allow, for example, it's legal now for corporations that have different offices in different states, they're not beholden to state law, they're not beholden to the mandates of the ACA or Obamacare, and now he has expanded it and allowing any group of people, cooperative 
whatever or or, or trade organization to do the exact same thing, which means that they then can have more purchasing power as a group, that they'd have more options because they could buy across state lines. They could add healthcare cooperatives as as a part of the solution. And catastrophic care, which is illegal under Obamacare, is now legal in this instance. I mean, that's a big week. Then, of course, you have him taking on the Iranians. The only thing that and, and again, the president has laid forth his economic plan this week. And the only variable here is he's done everything he can do on his own. Will the Senate now pass this tax plan? Well, and, and let me, you know, let me also remind everyone that you had this week, you had uh, Secretary Mattis, who's a retired Marine four-star general of, of absolutely impeccable ethics and honesty, who said that the reports in the press about President Obama being irresponsible about nuclear weapons were totally false. Then you had General Kelly, a four-star Marine uh, of impeccable credentials, come in as chief of staff and say, you know, you guys get things so wrong that I'm embarrassed for you, and I, I kind of recommend you get better sources. Uh and then talking to the White House press corps, I mean, what better evidence could you have that this is not a Trump problem, this is a news media problem, than to have two guys of this caliber? Uh, and then last week you had you had Rex Tillerson say, you know, where I came from, we didn't cover junk. And I can't believe you guys are spending your time covering this kind of junk, talking directly to the Washington press corps again. Uh, I, I thought in that sense that beginning to communicate here as a team, they're working as a team. They've produced a bold new strategy for Iran, which is a big deal. Uh, they're methodically working on the health system in ways that are very powerful. And, by the way, they're being very constitutional. I mean, the decision they announced about requiring Congress to appropriate the money uh, to subsidize low-income health care recipients, that's a constitutional decision. And, and, and people say, oh, gee, this is really bad. Well, yeah, it actually requires the Congress to do it. But that's what the Constitution requires. And I thought the president was exactly right in what he did. And I think it will give real impetus to uh, Senator Lamar Alexander and, and Patty Murray in the bipartisan effort they've already started. But he, but he, again and again, he's coming back, ironically, for liberals who worry about him. I did a, the Monk debate in Toronto last night with 3,000 Canadians and uh, my two liberal opponents. Yeah, how'd that go? Open. I meant to ask you. Yeah, oh, it was great fun. It was, it was on C-SPAN. It's, 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 it was streamed. Uh, and it also uh, was on Canadian Broadcasting Live, and uh, it was a great debate. And my and my our two liberal opponents were, were talking about how Trump's going to be an autocrat, and we kept saying, "Wait a second, Trump is the guy who said he couldn't solve the problem of the Dreamers under the Constitution. The Congress had to do its job. He's the guy who's saying he can't build the wall unless Congress gives him the money. He's not going out by executive order. Obama would have written an executive order. So Trump's actually obeying the Constitution." And he's actually circumscribing the presidency. He's a very strong president, but he's very strong within the Constitution. And I think that's just a remarkable thing that people can consistently in the elite media refuse to cover. All right. Stay right there. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Newt Gingrich. By the way, his brand new book is in bookstores just out this week. It's destined, I'm sure, to be another big bestseller, and it's called Vengeance. And uh, Newt has a travel schedule. If you want to find out where you can go see him and he's signing books and giving speeches, it's at Hannity.com. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free number. We'll get to your calls on this Friday. All 
right, as we continue with former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, his new novel is out. It's called Vengeance. Was speaking last night at the University of Toronto. Who were you debating with last night? And it was it's two on two. Or? It's, it's action. It's an auditorium, and, and it is. They sell tickets, and they sold them out in one hour for three thousand people. Wow. Uh, it was a great audience, and uh, it's called the Monk Debates. M U N K after Peter Monk, who funded it and organized it. Just, I think this is the fourteenth or fifteenth year. Uh, I was very lucky on my side. I had uh, Kim Strassel, who uh, writes for the uh, Wall Street Journal, just a remarkably bright woman, and, and did a great job. Uh, the other side you'll love, uh, Andrew Sullivan and E.J. Dionne. Um, And if you ever get a chance, watch it with the sound off and watch these two guys melt down. They get so frenzied uh, and so frantic. Uh, At one point, the moderator had to step in and say, no, let's everybody calm down. Uh, And they were just they they were so deeply, vehemently, viciously anti-Trump that I was actually a little surprised. Um, Yeah. And not that I mean, it was emotional. It was in their gut. They were they were jumping up and down. Uh, they were so excited. Um, you know, and I kept getting calmer the more they would get excited. So it was kind of fun, actually. Wow. Now, the crowd was probably predisposed against you, correct? <laughs> well, they were pretty much so. They, were, they were about two to one against me, but that was better. Last year, Laura Ingram and I went up there, and the question was Trump or Hillary <laughs> yeah. in Canada, in Canada before <laughs> yeah. the election. Well, we started the night last year at 86 to 14. <laughs> Wow. We got, and we moved it up to 80-20, and everybody at the reception afterwards said to me, what a great victory. That's so amazing that you did that. Uh, so last night wow. we also gained ground. Uh, we, did, we, we weren't as bad off. We started at something like 67-33, uh, and, we, and we brought them down a good distance. Uh, but, it, but, but you're right. I mean, look, although I did say to the crowd at one point, I said, look, you, know, you are a much better crowd than, than folks would be in Bur- at Berkeley. Uh, <laughs> that was sort you, of you actually could get a word and a sentence out, so that makes That's it a right. better crowd by its very yeah. nature. No, but, it, but it, it's a great debate. Uh, they do it every year. They do one a year, and uh, I've wow. done it three times. And I, I'm impressed with people really – we don't have anything quite like it in the U.S. People want to come and hear both sides. They love the debate format. It's great. You see, I've um, always been confident. And if you take a comedian out of the equation, because comedians are difficult to debate because they can flip on a dime. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you've literally made the best point you could possibly make against any argument they have. And then they just start telling jokes and everyone forgets the great point you made. But, you know, if it's a head on debate and knowing Andrew Sullivan and E.J. Dion, uh, this was like, you know, taking candy from a baby. Why do I suspect that you probably won the crowd over because? They couldn't respond. They're just a lot of what they are arguing against Trump is emotional. Well, actually, it would be a great case study for somebody who wanted to look at at, at debate styles. And, you know, because Solomon, you know, was a very smart guy and was the head of the Oxford Union, right. no, which I is mean, probably the greatest was... debating. I mean, I mean, he's a very, yeah. very good debater. But his emotions, both of them, I was always surprised. Both of them, their emotions got to them so deeply. I mean, don't take my word for it. Anybody who's listening to us, you can go online and find it at C-SPAN, or you can find it at, at MonkDebates, I think, .com. And just watch it. And that's what surprised me. I mean, All right, Mr. Speaker, if you want to find out uh, about the Speaker's new book, Vengeance, it's on Hannity.com. He's going to be going around the country and giving yeah. speeches. And, and by the way, remember, they should also look for Ellis the Elephant. Yes. And uh, remember the ladies, Calista's latest book, which she's not allowed to talk about because she's but, now becoming an ambassador. She's becoming, and you're going to be the Mr. <laughs> ambassador. So, I want to, what, I want to know what the right. rules are for that. Uh, no, good luck fun. to you. We'll do a show on it sometime. All, All right. right. Thank you, sir. It's good to talk to you. When we come back on this Friday, wide open telephones, 800 900 
941-SEAN. Hannity, we got an awesome show tonight, 9 Eastern. Hope you set your DVR on the Fox News Channel. One thing you can always count on. Sean Hannity is back on the radio. Uh, I have been coughing up a lung today, but I don't think the audience knows it so much because I keep using the cough button. So I'm trying to prevent the audience from hearing. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, I actually think think when you cough, your singing voice is better. So maybe you should keep that up. Yeah, you want me to just keep it? You want me to just keep the cough going? Just hack that that long all over the music. It's you know, it was weird. I just woke up in the middle of of the night last night, just could not stop coughing for 20 minutes, and it was painful. I was coughing so much, couldn't stop. That's a nightmare. well, it's, you know, you don't want to know the color of it either. That means you need, you know, some some type of medicine of some kind, which is on order. If Thank only God. we had a great health care plan that our president if, would try to if, help us with. If only I had Dr. Josh Umber to call and I could just run down and say, okay, I need a Z-Pack. Can I have a Z-Pack, please? You better get on that radio union real quick. <laughs> you know, it's you know how many people wrote me and said, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like, all right, why do I have to do? Why did I open my big fat mouth? And say, oh, well, that's what that you do for a living. It's not that shocking. I, I, but it, think about it now. What President Trump did this week would allow every single person in every single state in radio to form their own association, healthcare group, and we'd have the buying power of however many thousands work in radio. And I'm talking about everybody from sales, receptionist, engineering that work on the shows, air talent or alleged air talent. And everybody can get on the same health care or you get options and you can buy across state lines and younger people can get catastrophic care. And all of that could be done. And it could be done with any association group. It could be done with restaurant workers. It could be done with construction workers. It could be done with anybody. It'd be great. By the way, I felt like Hillary when I was coughing earlier today and when she's having her coughing fits. Uh, that wouldn't be good in this business, would it? I don't think that anybody beats Hillary in those coughing fits. And I really think it's odd that all of a sudden, miraculously, she's not coughing anymore. We have 63 days to go. <coughs> well, thank you. <coughs> Whoa. <laughs> You're spreading conspiracy no. theories like NBC. Just like, you know, she has a book titled What Happened? And this is a woman who so- sat up and testified that she couldn't remember because she was having brain issues and aneurysms and she couldn't mm. testify or tell anybody why she made decisions she made. And then she wrote a book called What Happened? Well, how do you know? You can't remember. <laughs> okay, there you go. Just it was saying. revealed this week that Congress has a delivery service a government pharmacy <clears throat> will literally bring their medicines to their door, which I could use myself, but we don't have those benefits right, for but, ourselves. But the weird thing about that article and what's very scary is that it's all about Alzheimer's medications. So now you've got somebody bringing Alzheimer's medications. Yeah, to people in Congress. That are they, voting on bills. Maybe I they mean, for, well, maybe they forgot what the bill was, and maybe if they maybe that's the reason they, they don't fulfill their promises. They forgot them. Well, they forgot that they didn't vote. That's why nothing's getting passed in the Senate. Yeah. All right, let's get to our phones. Kurt is in Illinois. Kurt, hi, how are you? And we're glad you called, sir. Happy Friday. Oh, good morning, and th- actually afternoon. Thank you for taking the call. Yes, sir. question for you. Uh, where's Gloria right now? She lined up all those guys against, all those women against Trump, 
Where is she in this? How come she's been? I think you're referring to her daughter. You mean Gloria Allred and Lisa Bloom? Yeah, I know her daughter was involved, but why hasn't she gotten involved? Probably because her daughter was involved in the issue. But she did. This was pretty interesting. She had said before Lisa Bloom quit working for Weinstein, apparently she's been working with him for a year to try and teach him how to be uh, a normal human being. I mean, because that's what you're talking about here. It's. You know, what he what we're describing here is just an abusive overall bully personality that has no respect for other people. That's what you're describing. Narcissism yep. on a on a maximum scale. And, you know, yep. I read the report yesterday that, oh, they have co- sex contracts out in Hollywood. Did you read that? Well, we're going to have sex, but you can't sue me after we have sex. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is such a world full of love, isn't it? You know, you go from from prenups to to postnups to this nup to, you know, there are people putting in their prenuptial agreements how many times they've got to have sex a week as a means of contractual obligations for marriage. And I'm like, all right, what am I missing here? Well, you know, what's happened to this institution that, you know, we're all grew up thinking, oh, we're going to have a nice picket fence and a dog and a, and three kids and. And a nice car, and we're going to go to Disney once every three years. And it seems that that illusion is being blown up. But you know, we got to, we got real talk of rape. We got real talk. This this whole issue of the casting couch is real, and the abuse of these women is real, and everybody knew it. And the media covered it up, and the Hollywood people, including stars, covered it up. And they joked it was an open joke, but it's not a joke if you're the victim of this. 800-941-SEAN is our number. We got Kathy is in Westchester in New York. Kathy, hi. How are you? Glad you called on this Friday. Doing well. Um, I've been listening to this whole NFL issue. Should they sit? Are they going to stand? Are they going to kneel? But my point is, who gets to decide what to protest? So today, Colin Kaepernick makes this up. I mean, tomorrow, what's the protest du jour? Do they have the players vote? I mean, at what point do we stop protesting. I mean, is, is, is the game going to be just a constant stream of there's, protests? There's never been a defined reason for the protest except just generalized discrimination or the, the condition of, of, of black America. Um, right, I've never then, heard, about, in the case of Kaepernick, I mean, this is a guy that's been all over the map in terms of what he's doing and why he's doing it. And then Absolutely. He... But I'm not minimizing the cause or saying that we don't have issues. But what about the players in the league that don't, uh, that don't want to protest that issue? And maybe they have another issue they want to protest. So well, but it's interesting have have... that but the league won't let you put a, an emblem on your helmet to honor police officers that were assassinated in the line of duty. They won't Absolutely, let you put on your cleats, remember, never again, 9-11-01. Right. It doesn't make sense. It's just, it's, to me, it's like raising children. You can't, get, you can't let your children dictate what's going to happen. You can't let your children get away with a temper tantrum because at the end of the day, you're going to end up in trouble. So here we are, instead of nipping it in the bud and saying this is not the forum, this is a form of entertainment, they've now let it go like a rolling train, and now how do you stop this? No, well, I think it's interesting to listen to these players. They're not going to listen to the league. They're not going to listen to Roger Goodell. And now the question is, is the league going to allow them to destroy the organization? Individuals will have the look. I I just think a lot of people like me, they're fed up. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not. It's Friday. I normally would say, okay, who's playing this weekend? I don't know who's playing. I do know the Jets are playing the Patriots that I know. 
And uh, I know the Giants are 0-5, so it doesn't matter. And I just, I'm not interested. And I've been watching a lot more college football than I've ever watched in my life. Um, which, by the way, in the South, I mean, it's college football is like religion day. It's, you know, you go to church on Sunday, you go to a football game on Saturday. And you go to high school football on Friday night. So it's a it's a big deal. And I think there's something to be said about these kids that are student athletes. And it's like they've got a full time job. Then they're working on their education. There's a lot of discipline in their lives. And their the level of talent is off the charts. It is off the charts. Fantastic. And then you see, you know, you see the difference, the subtle differences between those in college and not at the pro level. And then you're trying to guess which ones will break through into the pros. Um, and it's not many. But that's what that's where I find my heart right now. I'm I'm a big fan right now of just watching college football. Eight hundred nine four one Sean. You want to be a part of the program. All right, back to our phones. We've got let's say Drew is in San Antonio, W O A I. What's up, Drew? How are you? I'm doing well, Sean. Hey, let me tell you something great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, longtime fan. I want to tell you, I'm in rural Texas. I am the pulse beat of the Hill Country in Texas. And what you are doing and what this president's doing, y'all are loved out here. Regardless of what's said in the in the big cities and all that stuff, let me tell you something. Rural America is alive, it's well, and they're prospering. And we thank that to this president and you for supporting him. You wouldn't believe what is going on out here and the young entrepreneurs that have hope for the first time in many, many years. And you know, I get, I get attacked media. a lot. Donald Trump, if you look at his agenda and you compare it to, say, Reagan on his tax plan, on his position on peace through strength, him standing up to evil in our time, uh, his position on immigration, his position – uh, any on uh, limiting regulations and burdensome regulations, it's it's all Reagan-esque. And what most people can't get over is that he won't become, he won't stylistically be who they want him to be. And unless and until he capitulates, he will always be looked down on by the, quote, elite classes in the media, the punditry class, the never-Trumper class, Um. I have nothing but contempt for these people at this point. I, I think they're a bunch of phonies. I think there has been a, a cabal of establishment insider, you know, back back slapping that has gone on that while I always knew existed, I didn't know the level to which it exists. And now it's all being exposed. And the American people should be at the forefront of all these discussions, the forgotten men and women. So we help them get out of poverty, off of food stamps, back to work and prospering. And I get the distinct impression that many of these people that say they're Republicans say that they are, you know, the never Trumper because they're so arrogantly elitist in their mindset and they think they're so superior. They would rather no progress at all for the country as long as they could be proven right. Oh, Donald Trump was not the right guy. Sad. You know, they, they care about nobody but themselves. They're doing fine, by the way, as so many others in this country are suffering. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We have a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, an important monologue. This is the tip of the iceberg. 
as it relates to Hollywood, the media, the Democrats, hypocrisy. We have full coverage of that. Sebastian Gorka, Joe Concha will join us. Also, from the religious side of things, we'll check in with Robert Jeffers and Jerry Falwell Jr. That's all coming up tonight at 9. Set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News. Have a great weekend. See you tonight at 9, back here on Monday. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, who's there for heroes or their families left behind when a service member or a first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless vets and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11-01? I'll tell you who. It's the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Now the foundation's gold star, fallen first responders, smart home and homeless veterans programs and the foundation's never forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrances all across America. Over 80 runs, walks, climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute. They're educating kids from kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep their vow to never forget. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. They're hoping all of us will donate $11 a month. Just go to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, number two, letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today.